church. How are we doing today? Man, it is great to worship with the best worship team, Pete and Daniel and Caleb. Let's just give them a round of applause. <clears throat> there is something so sweet about being led into the presence of God by, by people who are just sold out for them. Uh, and so, guys, we are immensely grateful for y'all. Uh, if you got your Bibles, we're going to camp out in John 6, but if you're joining us or, or watching online and you haven't been with us every week, let me give you a recap of what we've done. Right? We, we took the last five weeks and we said, hey, we're going to talk about money and time and gifts and we're going to just camp out and talk about stewardship and what that looks like. So week one, we went over the parable of the talents. And we said, hey, God wants us to use our time, our talent, and our treasure for the benefit of the kingdom of God. And, and our big idea has been when we are convinced that everything comes from God, we're going to establish biblical convictions on what we do with all we have. That's been the goal. That's been the hope. That's been the prayer. And, and, and so I, I hope you've been able to glean something, even if it's something small to apply to your life. Week two, we, we started and we, we started just, hey, everything you have is from God, right? And so we talked about the extreme generosity of King David and the, the people of Israel and how extreme worship leads to extreme generosity, which leads back to extreme worship because we are so sold out for our Savior, we worship like this and not with our closed hands. And close fists. Week three, we talked about you and how everything God has, He's actually entrusted us and given to us to steward well, and, and how our, our donations and our money and our time is asked to be set aside sometimes to benefit the body of believers and to benefit the church. Right? So we, we talked about how Paul was actually writing to the church in Corinth and says, Hey, will you will you take a little bit of time, and will you just, just set aside some money for the church in Jerusalem? Because they really need it. And we talked about how our surplus is actually used for the benefit of others who have need. Last week, we talked about tithing, and we talked about how we're called as believers to take care of the house of the Lord. And this is a twofold type ask because God wants our hearts and not a building. Right? So scripture says, hey, God... God dwells not in buildings made of stone, but in human hearts, right? But at the same time, in, in the Old Testament, he said, hey, I, I want you to take care of my house. My house should not lie in ruins while your house is totally prosperous. Because God wants the glory, God wants the honor, God wants, God wants our hearts. Man, and it is, it is so easy, even during this series, and I've been convicted and, uh, of Man, when, when God wants something, but I want something, how do I reconcile that? When God wants and Ben wants, not always the same thing. All right, but the psalmist writes, David writes, hey, when, when you delight yourself in the Lord and take delight in the Lord, he gives you the desires of your heart. Right? Because it's no longer what I'm desiring is the desire of my heart, but man, my eyes are focused on Christ, and so it's, it's him. He's my desire, and, and, and that's what I want. And so last week we talked about tithing, but we also gave our seek offering, right? And we're going to get to that in a second because today we're talking about for the world, right? So we've gone from, from God to you through the church for the world. 
And so if you haven't turned there already, I encourage you to John chapter 6, verse 4. It says, Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. And lifting up his eyes then, and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? And he said this to test them, for he himself knew what he would do. And Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. I want to stop right there. Um, if you didn't know or you don't celebrate it, uh, this past week was Thanksgiving, right? Um, and me and my wife's families, uh, she has a very big extended family and I have a very big immediate family. Uh, and there is something about sitting down at a table with a whole lot more chairs. And so, like the, every year it seems like there are more chairs and more chairs and more chairs and people are having kids and those kids are growing up and eating solid food. And, and you start to wonder, like, dude, did mom actually make enough food for everybody? Like, m- one of my favorite dishes that my mom makes is sweet potato casserole. And, and this year that casserole dish did not look big enough. Right? Like, so there, there are 15 of us that are sitting around the table and little kids and everything. And I'm like, man, that, that's, it doesn't look like enough food. And you're always thinking, man, if somebody takes that last piece of sweet potato casserole, there's, there's going to be a fight, right? But, but this is the same kind of problem that the disciples were facing during this Passover feast. Is they had, now imagine, I said 15, imagine 5,000 just men coming to sit at a table. 5,000 hungry men, haven't eaten in a while, they've been following Jesus, listening to his teaching, and they're in a desolate place. That would be a terrible nightmare for my mother. Right? Just, even just feeding 5,000 men, I, I think she could do it. She'd, she'd have to up the recipes a lot, maybe call in some help, but she could do it. But then you factor in, they've got wives and they've got kids, so it's really like this 10 to 12,000 just mass sitting around the table. And there are some big tables out there, and uh, every year we're we're bringing more chairs and and figuring out the table layout, and oh, now we've got to actually have a kid's table, and who wants to sit at the kid's table, am I right? Like, um, but this is the reality of the fact, is that their region in Jerusalem, was a desolate place. There were 12,000 hungry people, and they didn't know how they were going to feed them. And then we pick it up. It says, one of his disciples, in verse 8, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? And Jesus said, have the people sit down. And now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number, and Jesus took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the barley loaves left by those who had eaten In Matthew's account, we actually see that the disciples got to partake in this miracle too. So it wasn't just for this 15,000 person crowd, but it was for the disciples as well. 
This was their Thanksgiving feast as much as it was the crowd's Thanksgiving feast. And one of the best parts about Thanksgiving is that verse where it says they all had their fill. And Matthew even goes a step further to say, and they were satisfied. Right? Because sometimes there have been some restaurants that we go to where we eat and we eat and we eat and we come out like the buffets and we come out and we're like, man, that was a terrible meal. And I feel worse after the meal than I did before the meal. Right? But, but there is rarely been a time after Thanksgiving that I have eaten and then it's like, man, I feel like poop. I feel fat and happy after a Thanksgiving meal. And, like, and, and, and that's how these Jews were feeling after Jesus' miracle. They were fat and happy sitting in a desolate place, full of the love and miracle of Jesus Christ. And so it couldn't have happened, though, without this one boy. Right? And, and, and I'm going to use this one boy, and I'm going to parallel it to the church, to New City Edgerton specifically, because here we are, this boy was in this desolate region, and here is our region. It's Edgerton, it's Wellsville, it's Spring Hill, it's Gardner, it's Baldwin. This is our region that we've been going after as a church. And this boy brought five loaves and two fish, and he said, hey Jesus, I don't know what you're going to do with this, but here it is for you. And we as a church, after last week... We're able to raise $35,077.08. Amen? Like, this isn't heavy. This is something to celebrate. It's amazing. And we as a church say, hey, Jesus, this is what we've got. We came with a plan, and now we've got the monetary amount. What are you going to do? Right? Because it's not about the plan, and it's not about the numbers, it's about the heart posture towards our Savior. All right? And, and, and we can look at this and know that our, our original goal was $71,669 and say, God, I thought you were going to come through. And he did. Because, and I told you this from week one of our seek, I care more about the heart posture of your generosity than hitting a number. There was not one person that I saw last week. I watch you guys. I'm sorry. It's kind of creepy sometimes. I know. But I, there was not a person that I saw that felt begrudged to give to God. And if that is not something to celebrate, I don't know what it is. Right? Because just like this little boy. See, see I, would, I would call... Philip, the begrudging disciple in this story, because it's like, dude, there's no way we're going to get this, and I don't have enough money, and you don't have enough money because we're poor fishermen. How are we going to do this? And this little boy said, hey, this is all I have. I know you can do something with it. I don't know how you're going to do something with it. I've heard stories of how you do stuff and, and everything, but I don't know how you are going to do something with this. And that is what we've done as a church. And yeah, your, your church leaders, I encourage you to be praying for us because we've got some hard choices to make. And as we hone in on the, the bullseye of what God's calling us to do in 2024, and it's going to take a lot of prayer and it's going to take a little more sacrifice on our part. And that's okay. 
because we're going to cut back a little bit more because we're not going to spend money we don't have, right? We're not going to ask you to keep giving and giving and giving and giving until you're blood dry because you're not an ATM. But we are going to use what you've given wisely, right? Just like this little boy understood, hey, all I have is all you've given me anyway. And so we as a church and your leadership team and your elders are going to be meeting today after second service and we're going to be coming up with a game plan on how to do this and do it wisely and really seek God's heart for this. But we as a church have gathered up what we have and have found surplus in a desolate place. And that's what our God does. Right? That's what our God does. He brings surplus to dry land. He brings water to dry land and causes all sorts of things to bloom. Right? And, and, and that's the heart posture we're entering in with. It's not, man, Jesus, I thought you were going to do this and I really needed you to come through. It's, Jesus, you came through and we've got this and you've still, you're still entrusting us with it, how do we steward it the best, right? And so we've, we've blessed it, and God's given it to us, and he's, he's broken our plans down a little bit, and we get to still do ministry in 2024. It is amazing. And if that doesn't get you excited, we're gonna have to get more coffee in here, <laughs> right? Because just like David we understand that extreme worship leads to extreme generosity, which leads back to extreme worship, right? And we are a worshiping church, if nothing else. If nothing else, we are a worshiping church because we understand that everything we have has been given to us by God. And there is no other response that we can have except to give back anything that we can and most of all our heart right last week I talked about how when God indwells in us man it is foolish for us to go and tie ourselves to these other things because we're there there and destroying the house of God that's hidden in our hearts and it hurts it hurts him God doesn't like to live in a crappy home just like we don't. He likes walls painted, I assume. It doesn't say that in scripture, but we're gonna, we're gonna go ahead and reach. Um, but I want my God to have the best place and the place of honor in my heart. And, and I, I made the joke um, last service about how we're not a church that dances in our underwear before the Ark of the Covenant of God like King David. But I'm, I'm constantly reminded of that picture when we worship, right? And so I, I said when I got up, we've got one of the, the best worship teams in New City, outside of New City. I don't care. I'll, I'll fight anybody who tries to say that their team is better. I'll lose, but I'll still fight, right? And I'm not a big guy, but... Um, I just got to be able to run faster than the other guys. Uh, but this morning as we were praying, well, my, my heart posture was, God, what does it look like to just worship with reckless abandon to you? And this is what King David 
did going before the ark of the Lord. Right? And, and, and if you haven't read this story in Samuel, it is one of the, the weirdest stories because you hear this king who stripped down to, to bare nakedness in his underwear and he just danced before the presence of the Lord and actually got rebuked by his wife for dancing before the presence of the Lord. For worshiping with everything he had because he loved God and was so excited that the presence of God decided to dwell even for a moment in the house. Even for a moment. And so this is what I've been praying through this week and and trying to understand is, is God brought abundance and surplus to a desolate land And most everybody just ate. And that was their response. And there were some who were ready to make Jesus king, and so Jesus departed quickly thereafter. But a lot were just astounded. And they didn't know how to respond. The beauty that we have is that we know how to respond back in worship. Right? Because as a church, you do not raise $35,000 by being people who don't like to worship God. You don't. Show me a church who does it, and I'll show you their hard posture towards Jesus, whether it's in worship on a Sunday or outside of worship. Because you can't. So I'm going to invite the band back up, and we're just going to celebrate. Because this is something that, that not only do we get the chance to do, but as I said a couple weeks ago when we had our prayer and praise day, like th- th- this is something that not everybody gets. Not every church and not every body of believers gets to worship freely and recklessly in front of their God and King and their Dad. And and just like a father loves a son or daughter, like I'm constantly reminded, my son is nine months old and can do jack squat, pretty much. Like, I'll call a spade a spade like he can't do much. But when he starts clapping, and then he looks around to see if me and Hannah are smiling, like, it gets me excited. Because he doesn't know any better. Right? And, and so... I pray that we're able to get out of our own heads and just worship freely to our Father. Right? Because he's sitting up in heaven and he says, dude, did you see my son? Did you see my daughter? And he's, he's over there nudging the angels to pay attention and, and say, hey, that's my kid. And I'm so proud of him. And I want to believe, but Scripture doesn't say that there was, there was an intense moment between Jesus and this little boy. Where it was like a father looking at a son and saying, hey, I love you. You don't know me super well, but I know you fully. And you've given everything you have back. And that is what it's like to worship Jesus. Amen. Let's pray, church. Father, we thank you for funding us. 
Dad, the money's all yours anyway, and we can't do it without you. I pray as we continue to just be in your presence this morning, Dad. Man, and we, we, we've gotten to eat of your blessings and, and, and uh, off of your table to where we're fully satisfied. God, that we wouldn't leave your table until we are satisfied in you. Because that would be a greater disservice. Because you set out all the food and you just say, hey, son, hey, daughter. I just, I want to spend some time with you. Come eat with me. And eat and be happy and have your fill and be satisfied. And God, may our, our joy abound because of eating at your table and just being in your presence. God, we love you and we thank you. In your name we pray, amen.